Hey, Rich Paramount. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with Pastor Rob Santiago and a message he's entitled, The Veiled Heart. Enjoy this message. Amen. You may be seated this evening. I just want to welcome all of you that are here in person and those of you joining us online. God bless you guys. We're here on a Wednesday night to hear from God. We could be doing a million other things, but we're crazy enough to be here on a Wednesday night. And, you know, I'm just glad that we have a church that doesn't sleep. A church that isn't lazy. Amen? Because if we have a church that isn't lazy, it holds us accountable. When the doors are open, we should be here. Amen? So tonight, you got me for the next three and a half hours. I don't know if you guys know, but I say that joke every single time I preach, and you guys laugh, so I thank you for that. But uh, before I begin, I just want to honor my pastors, Pastor Omar and Sister Leti. Man, they're such a blessing in my life. They, I I can't believe that they, they, you know, they saw something in me that I, I still don't see in myself sometimes. And, and, you know, he, he mentioned as he was taking offering about our, our um, Reach Bible Institute that we'll be starting on the 21st and and you know he he really just kind of let me teach and I'm like he's really gonna let me teach this and he never stopped me and he just always let me go and so Pastor Omar thank you so much for just always allowing me to minister here and and just you know me be me and so I appreciate my pastors for that and then I also want to honor my wife amen you can, you can give her a clap Next Wednesday will be our 14th year anniversary. And uh, man, it's gone by really fast because we've, we've had a great time, babe. I love you very much. Thank you for just allowing me to preach God's word. And you know, as I was prepping for this sermon, she was doing everything in the house. And so I noticed, babe, okay? And so she, she was making sure that I had my time with God. And you know, I just thank you so much, babe, for just, just being... Um, just being humble and just allowing me to do what I need to do. I appreciate you. Um, so before I begin, I kind of want to just kind of tell you a little bit about this sermon. And, and I'm honestly nervous to preach this sermon because as I was praying and I was contending just about what I was going to speak about, God slapped me in the face and says, this is what you're going to talk about. So before I begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to minister your word, Lord. I pray that you would just begin to move in this service, Lord, that it would not be my voice, but that it would be your voice that they hear, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill their minds and their hearts, that you begin to speak to them in a way that I can't, Lord. And I just thank you, and I surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 34. If you'd like to join me there. And so I, I was, um, you know, I, a long time ago, I got to travel. I got to travel to the Philippines and I have a bunch of relationships there due to work. And there was a, a, a time where I went to like a new island and, and I got to meet some new people, some new folks. And we kind of just connected. We had a good time. We, you know, and, and then one thing they started to ask me, like, uh, they started asking me, have you tried this? And they're talking about food. Have you tried that? Have you tried all these different types of food? And I go, no, I haven't. You know, and, and I told them, I remind them, remember, I'm foreign. And they're like, no, no, you have to try these things. So tomorrow, you know, we may have something special for you. And I'm like, okay, well, great. You know, I'm looking forward to that. And so I get there early in the morning into the office and they're like, hey, Rob, you're going to be here, you know, past 5 p.m., Right. And, you know, technically, I didn't want to stay till past 5 p.m. You know, I wanted to go back to my hotel. I wanted to rest. And they're like, and I looked at them like, yeah, I guess. Wait, do you want to do something? They're like, yeah, well, I, we just have a surprise for you. And I'm like, okay. So 5 p.m. rolls around. And I, I eventually, you know, I eventually run into him. And, and he goes, hey, we got that surprise for you. But it's over here in this conference room. So I walk in there and there's like 40 people in this conference room. And they go, remember all those things we told you about that you need to try and eat? I go, yeah. They go, well, you're going to try them all. And I'm like, oh, wow. How exciting. 
And I begin to think about some of the things that were having me try. And yes, one of them was balut, which is like a, a what is it, like an egg? It's a, it's, it's a, a premature bird, like a duck, right? It's like an embryo. And it's, yeah, I don't mean to, okay, so they're just like, listen, this is the best thing ever. This is the best thing ever. So we're going to save that one for last. And so I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, we'll save that one for last. And then, you know, they're having me try different things, but I said, you know what? Don't tell me what they are. Just, just don't tell me. We'll talk about it later. And so they, they begin, I begin eating things on like skewers, things that look weird. You know, it's just real foreign to me. It just, I had never seen it before. Some of it was really, really good. Some of it needed to develop a little palate. So when they brought the balloon in, he, they begin to present this as it was like the most relaxing thing in the world. They said, when you eat this, it's gonna relax you. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna make you, you know, it's really good. This is, this is precious. You know, I said, well, how much does it cost? He said, don't worry about it. It's precious. So where'd you get it? He said, there's a guy outside on a cart in the street. He sells them all day, but he's the best. So I begin to eat it. And, you know, it was good until I felt the beak. And when I felt the beak, they're like, it's good, right? I go, absolutely, it's good. This is wonderful. You know, I have to say this, you know, and I'm like, this is great. They go, oh, awesome. We're going to go get you some more. And I go, where is it? Well, we already sent so-and-so. She's out. She's getting it right now. We're all going to get some. We're celebrating. You know, we're just, we just want to bless you. You know, they begin to tell me, you know, we're, we're just happy you're here. And I'm like, oh, no. So they get like a whole round of these things. And, you know, really, I begin to think about, I just see them eating it, and they're eating it like it's nothing, and they're having a good time. And then I I realize, you know what? This is such a foreign thing to me, but it's not foreign to them. To them, they loved it. They thought it was the best thing ever. They just wanted to show me their culture a little bit. And so I dove into that, and I got to see, you know, what made them happy. They were so excited. I had to eat another one, and, you know, it was just... And I, I, it, it kind of grew on me a little bit, but it's not something I would go looking for the next time I went over there, right? And so what I, I say all that to say this, is sometimes we treat foreign things like they're awful. And there's a moment in the Old Testament where God is foreign. He's foreign. People don't really understand who he is. People don't really get what he's supposed to do. People don't really understand what the whole plan is. They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't understand what God's purpose was and what they had to do. One thing that they did do was they gave sacrifices, but they did it in a way that was kind of barbaric because the ultimate lamb had not come yet. The ultimate sacrifice did not come yet, okay? And so in Exodus chapter 34, I want you to read with me Starting in verse 29, it says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets, these are the Ten Commandments, of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Verse 30 says, Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him and Moses talked with them. Afterwards, all the people of Israel came near and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoke with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with him, he put a veil over his face. Verse 34 says, whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. So the title of this sermon is called The Veiled Heart. See, the veil, in the Hebrew sense, it means to separate. 
And if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that there was a point where they had to build a tabernacle as they were roaming for those 40 years. And as they built that tabernacle daily, every night, so they could spend time with the Lord, there was a veil and the ark was behind that veil. That veil went from the top of the tabernacle all the way to the bottom. And that veil separated the presence of God from the rest of humanity. That veil was the separator. And only one person, one holy person at a time can go in to that place to feel the presence of God. Here I just showed you a story of Jesus and he had a conversation with I'm sorry, I I told a story of Moses and how he had a conversation with God himself. The Bible says that his face began to shone. But one thing I want you to understand, as his face was shining, the Israelites were afraid. The Bible says that they were afraid. And then he had to have this veil. He had to have this veil because the Israelites were like, hey Moses, uh, can you stop talking to God? It's kind of hurting my eyes every time you come out from talking to him. And it was because God was foreign. It was almost like, hey, you know what, Moses, did you talk to God again? Because I can't even look at you right now. Moses, did you, did you really go in there and spend time with God? It's like, can you just stop it already? I can, I can barely hear you because the light that, that, you're, that your face is, is emitting right now is, is it's too distracting And I I just think that they were in a place where God was foreign. See, church, we can be in that same place where we look at the things of God. We see what's happening at the altar or a brother, a sister is, is being delivered from something. And we look at it like, what the heck's going on? That's not normal. And we have this attitude of, well, I don't know if God really can work miracles because it's kind of weird when they happen. Or it just doesn't feel right. I've never seen that before in another church. And it's really the fear of the unknown. See, I'm here to tell you this evening, you don't know what you don't know. I love that sentence. I say it a lot. My wife probably gets annoyed. You just don't know what you don't know. And if you don't know what you don't know, then something's going to surprise you. You need to get to know it. Just like we need to get to know God. See, we have to make a decision to know Him. We have to make that decision immediately. It requires us to be intentional about making a decision to follow Him. It doesn't start because of some miracle that happens in your life. It really starts when you make the decision. See, there can be plenty of miracles. There's people all over the New Testament saw the miracles of Christ and it is documented that they themselves did not believe. And it's so, it is, if you're waiting for some kind of miracle or some kind of event or shift to take place, then I'm telling you, you're going to be waiting a long time. And so if you don't make a decision for transformation in your life, all you're doing And if you're taking notes, this is my first point. All you're doing is prepping your heart for casual Christianity. See, I believe that's what the Israelites were experiencing in that moment. They saw the light and they're like, what the heck, man? Can you wear a veil? Can you put that veil? Because what was happening with Moses, Moses was beginning to emit the light that that God was emitting. It was a reflection that was taking place. We even see the same light in Matthew 17 in the, tra- in the transfiguration. It says that Christ ascended and, he, and this light shone across the mountainside. And it was so bright that Peter could not look up and look at it. And so we see this light that God emits. And it is some kind of Light that is, that is just overbearing. But with Moses, he had to put that veil on. And then every time he went in to meet with the Lord, he'd take the veil off. And it was almost as if, I need to take this veil off when I'm in the presence of God. I need to see him face to face. Yes, I'm the one that's allowed in here, but I need to see him 
face to face. See, when you're prepping your heart for casual Christianity, you'll never see how tangible God can be in your life. Because your heart is simply being casual. It's just, you want everything to be normal. Yeah, you'll go to church. Yeah, you'll, you know, you'll see people get saved and you'll celebrate, but you don't want to get, you don't want to get too crazy with God. You don't want to give up and relinquish everything, right? You just want to hold on to a little bit of what you've established in your life. But what we're trying to do in this church and in your life is we want to see God show you something tangible for your life. To where you say, I don't want to be casual anymore. I've seen what God can do. I've seen what God can do in that person's life. I can see what God can do in that person's life. And you're looking at it now with a different lens. And now you're not looking at it like, oh, that's a little weird. No, you're saying, that's awesome. What God is doing there is a beautiful thing. And that's awesome. That's undeniable. Now you start to use different language, right? You start to... It starts to minister to you a little bit. See, I love Leonard Ravenhill. He says this. He says, we are all as spiritual as we want to be. But what I love when, when I, what I love about transformation is that it is undeniable. You could see somebody walk in here. You could see that they maybe not have accepted Christ or a little rigid. They might be a little angry. You know, they... They're not, they, you know, they just don't fit in yet. But then they receive Christ and you start to see something. You see them break a little bit. You see them, their lives are changing. And that's when you see transformation. You're like, that's not the same person that walked in here six months ago. That's something different. That's something that God set apart. And so when I look at that and I, I can kind of relate to it, like in my life, casual Christianity was something I was chasing. Hey, man, I want to hang out with, like, everybody, you know? Not just church people. I want to hang out with the homies. Right? Nobody in here does that. Of course not. Right? I'm not saying it's bad to hang out with the homies, but there's some things that the homies do that you should not be doing. And maybe you shouldn't be around. Right? Again, it's you changing this casual Christianity in your life. See, it is really prepping your heart to go beyond a casual Christianity till you see God move tangibly in your life. And you could say, I have no idea how I got all these blessings, but I'm just gonna thank God. Where you have so many blessings, you're like, oh my gosh, God is blessing me so much that you just stop thinking about it because you, you just don't understand it. That he can bless you so much. See, in that moment where Moses is coming down from Mount Sinai, I love this. The Apostle Paul, if you fast forward like, you know, 700 years in the Bible and you get to the New Testament, you get, you get the Apostle Paul. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, go ahead and turn your Bibles there. Paul talks about Moses. Kind of picks on him a little bit. And I love this. Because what Paul says, he basically interprets and he's preaching exactly what Moses did. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, we are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they, they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit and whenever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. If you don't get anything else out of this sermon, I'm going to tell you, you need to remove your veil. God is trying to do something in our lives. And you don't want other people to see it. Because you know the accountability that it brings. You know the heaviness that it brings. We're not talking 
about something that's political or some policy that the news likes to talk about. We're talking about something ancient that comes from above. We're talking about something that's heavier than our lives can even imagine. And so when, when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about removing that veil so we can allow Christ to move in our life and stop hiding him. And I'm going to say it again. Stop hiding him because you don't want that accountability. You know it's heavy. That's why you hide it. And so what Paul's bringing out here is simple. When we accept Christ, that veil is taken away. It should be different. It should change. It should no longer be the same. As a matter of fact, people should look at you differently. They should see something different. I hear this all the time. I don't know about you, Pastor Rob, but check this out. I got favor all of a sudden. I'm like, what do you mean all of a sudden? You've had favor the whole time. It's just now you've taken off your veil. The rest of the world sees it. Your boss sees it. Everything begins to change. They don't see you as the same person anymore because you took off that veil. And so, you know, again, it's one of those things, church, where if you don't catch it now, I don't know when you're going to catch it. Because the Apostle Paul himself is saying it. We see the example that Moses gave us. Maybe you need a little bit more. Let me tell you something else. The enemy loves your veil. He loves when your veil's on. Your veil begins to become your self-imprisonment. You love to put it on. No longer shows the freedom that you have. And what we end up doing is, is we cover it up. We cover up Christ in our lives. You know, and, and when you begin to cover up Christ in your lives, you are just prepping, you're continuing to prep your heart for casual Christianity. And you're going to allow temptation to roll in, something to roll in because people don't understand that Jesus is in your life. Be candid with you. There are good people in this world that don't know Jesus. They need to come to Jesus. But if they know you know Jesus, you know what they may do? They may respect that. They may not tempt you. They may not mess with you. But see, you may not know that. If you're sitting here and you don't know that, it's because you have your veil on. God moves through everybody. God moves through every single person on this earth. He can use anybody to speak to you. But the problem is you've given yourself a prison. Instead of showing the freedom, you're now showing that you're in prison. When people find out, oh, you go to church? I didn't know that. Those are scary words. I didn't know you went to church. Why did we go to the bar the other day? Why'd you get plastered the other day? Where were you on Sunday? You know, again, it's casual. First Peter chapter 2, verse 16 says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. See, the freedom of Christ, the freedom that Christ gives us is not supposed to be the freedom to pretend. Say, oh, I got freedom. I could just pretend, right? And I'll be at church on Sunday. I'll see Omar and we'll hang out and we'll have a good time. You know, no, it, that's not how it works. Stop pretending. Just because you got freedom doesn't mean you could, you know, you just pretend. Pretend that you're saved. Pretend that you love church. Pretend that you love worshiping. Pretending that you read your Bible. Pretending that you like devotions. And stop pretending. At some point, you need to begin to shift your casual Christianity a little bit. Stop living guarded because God is foreign to you. We say, oh, you know, that it just doesn't feel right. Like, yeah, that's for them. It's not for me. You ever hear that? Like, hey, you know, it's, it's for them. It's, you know, that's them. That's fine. That's not for me. Yeah, well, what is for you? Do you even know what's for you? Do you even know what's against you? Yeah, you say, oh, it's not for me. Okay, well, you've just put God in a box. Congratulations, the creator of the universe. See, it's convenient. Casual Christianity is convenient. Well, it is, right? Yeah, well, I'll go to church when I feel like it. I'll go to church when, you know, 
when it feels right. I'll go to church when that brother apologizes or sister apologizes to me. I'll go to church on the next series because I don't like this theme that much. You know, I'll go to church when I know there's going to be parking available. You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be candid. I used, I, you know, I, I used to live in Paramount just last year. Parking became bad, especially when COVID hit. Parking got really bad. People stopped coming in Connect Group. So you know what I did? I said, God, you know what? I need a house. I need a house. I began to talk to God. I said, people aren't coming to my house anymore because of parking. I, I need a solution, Lord. And I, I'll be, I'm not gonna go down this whole, we could talk about it when we have one-on-one time, me and you, but God provided that house. It wasn't me that provided it, but God provided that house. And it was funny because I was like, what, what's going on? There's no parking. It's like, okay, well, you know, I, okay, I guess I get it, right? You couldn't get out of your car. Um, you know, I'm sorry. You know, um, I don't know what to say, but I, got, I had to change that attitude. Like, you know, what really, okay, parking. I remember, I'll be honest, I'm just kidding. There was a time in my connect group where that was the same issue. And me and my wife, we would park all the way at the end of the block. And it was a rough area. And we, and, but you know what we did as a, as, a, as a connect group? I love this. We always walked each other to the car. We always walked each other to the car. Hey, so she's leaving. Uh, you, go, go, go walk her to the car. It's your turn. Go walk her to the car. Go walk to the car. You know, tell my wife, babe, I'll go get the car. And then come all the way down, you know. We, we made it work. Connect group was that important to us. And it should be in your life. See, one of the things of, of this casualness that we bring to the table with God is, is we have to understand a concept. Okay, and I want you to get this concept tonight. See, a heart that's postured toward salvation is set on a journey, not just a destination. Okay, so, so what do I mean by that? We think... That we've reached it. We got our salvation. We're done. We can close it up. We're done. We got it, Jesus. I be- we're good. I believe you. We're done. But with casual Christianity, you know, what, what I'm trying to tell you is it's a journey. So that means it's, a, it's eternal. Your salvation is eternal. So therefore, it is a journey. It doesn't stop because one Sunday you've made a decision to accept Jesus in your life. That's where it starts. That's just you taking off with Christ. And it's a journey from that point on. That means you're gonna go through things. That means your heart is gonna get changed a little bit. It has to change. That calloused heart, that heavy heart has to break loose It has to be tenderized a little bit so God can begin to move in your life. See, a hardened heart requires time to soften it. My heart's continually changing. God is continually working on it. It should be the same for you. It shouldn't be any different for any of us in here that God is continually working on that heart. You know, I I, I remember when COVID hit, right? And when COVID hit, it was a scary thing. Everybody was a little nervous, you know, so we had church online. We wanted to do the right thing as a church. And I believe we did the right thing as a church. And I believe we did it well. I believe we did. And, and I loved, I, you know, I loved having online church, but it was tough preaching online church. I mean, Pastor Omar and Pastor Isaac were just like, and the countdowns come in like, you know, five, four, three, and you're serious? And you're like, a dark room this place is dark there's two lights on both of them are hitting your face and you got to preach and all I kept thinking was are we doing the right thing are we doing the right thing are people getting touched 
And you be preaching, you have no idea. You have, I mean, you have no idea, church. And then you, it, not until it's over and then you start reading the comments. Oh, that person got touched. That person got touched. I realize we're doing the right thing. God's still moving. So when we came back together, hey, man, we got a good crowd. All right, you know, awesome. Some new faces, praise God. But some old faces stayed back. And I realized that it was comfortable being in your home. It was comfortable. Turn it on, online. I'm not, I'm not right, online. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Stick around. But I'm serious. We need, we need church. We need face-to-face worship. So what I loved about Moses is every time he, he talked to God, the Bible says he'd lift, he'd take his veil off so he could see God face to face. So he can receive what God was, was telling him. That separation would come off. It would, it, and, and he would begin to prep himself. See, Moses understood that there's a journey in this process, it's not just a destination. In other words, he's not just there with God. He realized what he's going to receive from God, he needs to apply it to the journey, not only that he has, but the whole nation of Israel has. It started with him. But the Israelites didn't get it. Their hearts were, hard, their hearts were hardened. They were too heavy. But see, it's a process of change. If you want a transformation... You literally have to ask God for it and make the decision. I'm going to allow you to do that. And that's tough to do. That's really tough to do. I I get it. It's tough. Maybe you've, you've developed a good life for yourself. You're nice and comfortable. You have a nice nest egg in the bank and you don't really have any financial issues. You got everything together. Maybe you, you realize that you're in complete control of your life and that's okay. If that's you, praise God. But you still need him. You still need him to transform you. You need to be teachable. You need to be humble. See, because you don't know what you don't know. I love talking to like experienced people, especially like experienced, you know, older men, right? Like I can, I can glean something from them. You know, I want to learn something. And I love that. Like, let me, let me just learn. Let me be quiet. You know, early on, my father taught me you respect your elders, right? There's a reason for that. They're going to teach you something. So you listen. You don't have to agree with everything, but you listen. You listen intently because they know stuff that you don't know. In the same way, your Bible is the same exact thing. And guess what? It's probably older than the person you're talking to. Your Bible is just filled with wisdom and knowledge And it's a living text. That means it's alive. That means it's timeless. That means there's not a soul that walks this earth that it can't speak to. Because it's timeless. And if you begin to read that, you'll be like, wow, why did he respond that way? If you really get into it like, why did he, what the heck, that's not right. You begin to get that wisdom. The Bible's full of failures. I love that. So I realized, wow, man, David really messed up with Bathsheba. If I see something like that, I got to run, right? And, and so you, again, you start to learn from what's in scripture and that knowledge, and that's part of the journey because it's not just a destination. It is a journey. You should be feeding yourself with the word of God, right? Because whatever comes into here goes down into here. It hits your heart. This is the gate, right? Open it up a little bit. Open the Bible. Let it get right in here. And when you start reading, you'll realize even there's certain things, you'll start crying during worship a little bit. That's okay, don't get scared. Right? A little tear comes out, especially for some of the guys, like, oh, good. I'm gonna tell tell the story, babe. But my wife, I found this song on Monday. And I said, you gotta hear this song. It's jacking me up. Like, so I sent her the link and I put fire emojis so she'd get it. You know what she replies back with? She goes, you're crying, huh? I'm like, I said, of course not. 
not crying. You know, that's what God will do to you. When you're having a moment with him, I sent the text to Omar too. I was like, this is fire. I got so excited over this song. And I just, I, you know, and that's what God will do to you. It'll make you, it'll make you a little soft, you know, and you, because he's speaking to you. He's taking that, he's taking that heart, you know, that, that, that mold, that thick mold that you have, and he's just molding it. And, and, and that's what our God does is he begins to do that. And he begins to wreck us, man. But humility is very important. In Luke chapter 18, verse 9, it says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. In verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. This is what he says. Verse 12, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me. I tell you, this man went down to the house justified rather than the other. For, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will also be exalted. We need Humility. You want your heart to be worked on? You gotta be humble. You gotta say, God, I am messed up. God, you have to confess. Like, you have to know you're messed up. You have to know that there's a problem. You have to know that there is an issue. You have to know that there's a circumstance. You have to know, and you have to put it right in front of him. None of this like, hey, God, um, uh, I got my list here. I need a, you know, I need some money. I need you to pay my rent and I need you to, and again, it's one of those things where we treat God like he's just like gonna answer this Amazon wish list that we have put together when he's so much more greater than that. You know, and, and um, I, I just think when we begin to do that, we, we, we don't begin to you know, treat God like he's Santa Claus, you know, and we actually put things in front of him that are important. Like, God, I'm, this situation's really hurting me. I need you to take over this. And then you tell a brother or sister, I need you to pray with me because I'm in this situation. Like these are reflexes that we should have as a church and as brothers and sisters. These are spiritual reflexes that we should, we should constantly be working out. And, and it's not something that we should take lightly. Therefore, bring your humility to church. Bring it here. Bring it to God. See, Jesus sees humility when he sees a heart that puts him first. I think we get caught up that, that God is just, you know, that he, yeah, he's significant. But understand this, you are significant to God, not because of all the right things you do in your life, but it's because of all the heart issues that he can cure in us. It's because he sees us and he's like, oh my gosh, I know that I can help them. Like you ever know the answer to a question in a group? Like, oh, I know the answer. And you want to answer it? That's God like, oh my gosh, if they do this, this is gonna happen. I hope they don't do that. And, and God wants to intervene. He wants to be able to, to, to intervene. But you're putting this veil in front of him. You're not allowing him to work. Your humility is no longer existent. It's not there. You're saying, you know what, God, I got it on my own. It's, it's on me. I, I got it. I'll, I'll let you in on the next one. God, I'll let you in on the next one. I'll let you transform me another time. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil's removed. There's a third point I want to share with you. A heart that's transformed is supposed to look and feel different. Yeah, you're supposed to be different. You might be sitting here today and you're probably like, well, I don't know if... if uh, I could do this because it's going to change me a little too much. Or I don't want to be like that person who's on fire. You know, I still need these other things in my life that I need to hold on to. And it's supposed to look and feel different. So when God starts to move in you and you get frightened because it's foreign and you run away from it. Maybe you run away from church a little bit saying, oh, God touched me and 
you know, I, I don't know if, if I should move forward with that. Yes, you should. If God is trying to speak life into you, don't run away from it. If God is putting people in your life at connect group, at church, and they begin to speak life into you, don't run away from it. You should embrace it. You should welcome it. Even if they're telling you things that probably seem a little harsh, but they do it because they want to see you bear good fruit. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, it says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. See, you're here today, hopefully to better yourself. Hopefully you're not here because, you know, I I have to be here. No, hopefully you're here because you want to better yourself. But you come here sometimes with resistance. Hesitation begins to take over. You know, the moment you begin to feel different, you, you check out. You're not listening anymore. See, church, if you want transformation, honestly, you want transformation, your current formation needs to change. So if you want that transformation, your current formation needs to change a little bit. It needs to begin to change you. And sometimes that change is physical. You may have to smile a little bit more. It may be easier to smile when God begins to get a hold of you. You know, and... and, And when God begins to give you resolve in situations, maybe you're not getting the answers you're looking for in prayer, but sometimes God's there to let you know, like, hey, I'm going to take this pain away, though I know this is a tough situation, but I'm going to take the pain away. I'm going to make this easier on you. But you have to trust in me. You have to trust in me. I don't know, God. You know, and I I, I know we get in these circumstances. We deal with some, a lot of us deal with heaviness. But we, we get into circumstances and we don't let God even intervene at all. See, there was a, I mentioned earlier that there was this veil in the tabernacle and also in the temple that stretched all the way from the ceiling to the ground. And this veil in the Old Testament was a place that God dwelt. And only certain people, usually the high priests, were allowed in there. And so that veil was to make sure that if you go back there, you'd understand that the Ark of the Covenant's there and that the Spirit of God is there. And so that veil wasn't for everybody in the Old Testament. It wasn't for everybody. Not everybody could could, could experience the presence of God. And it wasn't until Jesus came that something changed. And I know we, we, in, in the atonement, we... We celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But there's another event that takes place that I want to read to you in Matthew chapter 27. Starting in verse 45. This is Jesus as he's on the cross and he's passing away, he's dying. His physical form is dying. He says, now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Verse 51, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. See, when that moment, in that moment, when Jesus screamed, the Bible says he yielded up his spirit. At the very same time that took place, that veil ripped. The presence of God shot out. And it was no longer for one person, but the presence was meant for everybody. The presence of God can now dwell in you. It can dwell in you. It can dwell in you in the back. It shot out that it ripped that veil. And the time is different now. Yes, we celebrate the death and resurrection, 
but some of you need to celebrate yourself just pulling off the veil to meet God face to face. He no longer wants to be held inside. That light that is chasing you, you need to turn around and grab it. Some of you want to live in that darkness and you don't want to see the light of day anymore. You're battling inside. You're allowing the depression, the anxiety. You're allowing all those things to overcome you when the light is chasing you. When the presence of God has been released across this earth. Not just for a moment, but for all of eternity. See church, I'm not here just to preach to you, to tell you that God didn't change my life. I'm here to preach to you so he can change your life. God no longer wants to be separated from us anymore. He wants to see his power. He wants to reach out to us. He wants to take our heart. He wants to change it. And it's going to hurt a little bit. It's going to take a little bit of a sacrifice from you. But I can guarantee you, and I love that Pastor Omar, he says this all the time, it's better with him. See, your life's good. It's good. But let me tell you, it could be better. It could be better. If you would just allow God to let it be better. It's better with him. It's just better. It's better with him. Romans 8. Verse 38 says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ our Lord Jesus. See, that moment when he died for us, that veil was torn. The throne was waiting at that moment. It didn't wait until the resurrection. It happened the moment the debt was paid presence of God said I'm ready and if you can't understand that there's a God that loves you that there's a God that wants to take you to a new place if you can't understand that I encourage you you continue to read your Bible and you'll see it it's time to tear your veil church because there's a relentless God that wants to fix you he shouldn't be foreign to your life Don't let shame keep you away from him. I know we've all done terrible things. Some of us in this room have done some awful things. It doesn't matter. He still wants to reach out to you. The veil was still torn. And so if I can have every head bowed and every eye closed. want to tell you, you don't have to be afraid of the presence of God. Yes, it's powerful. Yes, it's heavy. But you don't have to be afraid of the presence. I think one of the biggest things when we do this, when we do an altar call, shame begins to set in. And it takes over the feeling that Christ wants to give you. And you may be here and you may be like, you know what, Rob? I I don't know if I have accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Or or maybe you're like... "Ah, I've had in the past, but I've fallen away. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to rededicate your life. I want you to lift your hand if that's you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you speak on the mic. I I just want you to lift your hand. If that's you, maybe you're feeling this heaviness in your heart. Maybe it's anxiety or you're nervous because of what I am doing right now. That I'm, a, I'm giving opportunity for God to move. That's the presence of God telling you you should lift your hand. I see that hand. God bless you. I see this hand. God bless you. Is there anyone else that would like to join these hands? You will not be alone. I see that hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Don't let this time pass by. If this is you, I want you to just lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. Saying, you know what, Rob? I just want to rededicate my life. Is there anyone else? You will not be alone. Anyone else at all? Amen. Those of you that lifted your hands, I want you to do one more thing. Go ahead and look up at me. Did you mean that? Amen. Anyone else? I think there's one over here. Did you mean that? You don't have to be scared. Trust me, you don't have to be scared. If you've lifted up your hand, I want you to do one more thing. I want you to come to the front. 
I'm going to have some people pray with you. Amen. You don't have to be ashamed. Because what you're doing right now is the best thing you could do for your life. It's the better thing that you could do for your life. Amen. God bless you, sir. And you're hiding God. You're hiding for two reasons. Number one, you don't want anybody to know at work or your family. Or number two, you're hiding because you know God is going to do something in you and you don't want to change your life. And you don't trust it. If that's you, I want you to come to the front. I want you to begin to talk to God. I'm going to go ahead and open these altars. If you feel that God had spoke to you tonight and you say, I need to get something right, this is the opportunity. God wants to meet with us. He wants to hear us. He wants to hear our voice. He wants to give us answers. He wants to reach out to you. And it's only in opportunities like this where you allow him to move that he begins to move. Do not pass up the opportunity to go before God right now. We're going to go ahead and sing and worship. I want you just to begin to worship. If you're out there and you want to pray for somebody, just go ahead and stretch your hands and begin to pray over those that need it. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.